Hello and welcome to Touching the Sunrise podcast. I am Sister Catherine Herms, author of Surviving Depression, A Catholic Approach, and Reclaim Regret, How God Heals Life's Disappointments, and Spiritual Guide in the Heartwork Program, which specializes in helping people walk the road of spiritual growth and inner healing. For the past 10 years, I have been walking alongside wonderful women and men who want a more heart-centered and spiritual life, but would like support along the way, through online programs, groups, and one-on-one spiritual guidance. I walk with people along a contemplative and healing path, one that has been trodden for thousands of years. Basically, I'm here to help you surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit, who has come to make your being the throne of the Holy Trinity, so that your life, your prayer, your relationships, your dreams and goals will most deeply satisfy the desires of your heart. You can find out more about me and what God has led me to do in the world by visiting my website, touchingthesunrise.com. Hello and welcome to Touching the Sunrise podcast. I'm excited because today Jeanette and I are going to begin a series of six podcasts on the subject of depression. And what sparked this idea was the new book, um, Surviving Depression, A Catholic Approach. I wrote the book maybe about 20 years ago now, and this new edition, this third edition, is so much better. Um, so much improved with a lot of the latest understanding about the causes of depression and how it's a very to practical one too. practically yeah. work with depression, a lot of exercises, prayer mm-hmm. guides. So we're so excited about that. But as Jeanette and I were talking last week about how we were going to structure these six podcasts, we came up with the idea, or we were inspired, we'd like to think, <laughs> to use the life of Mary, to use a lens of Mary to really explore um, our own experience of darkness, whatever that may be in our life. She's such a wonderful guide. Um, from well, she's the, a wonderful mother. A wonderful when, mother, And when you're yes. sad, depressed, blue, whatever the, the issue is, you want to turn to your mother. <clears throat> right. So it just seemed logical to us. Yes. And there's so much in her experience of light and of darkness. And the way she, with dignity and faith, lived through all that is truly the path that's being marked out for us. And we, want, we really wanted to explore that. And, and not, just, not just auditorially. We've yes. actually added in some images to this podcast, hard as that is to believe, <laughs> <laughs> that we will send you to. You can look at while you're listening or you can look at later. Um, but there, there are points in her life where what she was experiencing sort of intersects with what we're talking about. So, so Jeanette, why, why pictures? Why images? Why did we decide to move in this direction? Well, I mean, for me, this is interesting because I tend to be a wordsmith and think that words are all we need. But the more you meditate, the more you realize that there are images that can bring you much, much farther than words can because mm-hmm. everyone sees something different in an image. Yes. Um, words are words, but images can 
can inspire you, can bring up something in you. And certainly the series of images that we've chosen for this podcast series, um, I think is trying to give us a little bit of a different angle on some of the events in, in Mary's life and maybe hopefully inspire us to find different um, angles on our own lives as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I spent this whole last weekend just praying with the images. <laughs> and it was a wonderful experience. And I hope that we're able to convey that experience also in these podcasts. So we chose um, these uh, as uh, events in Mary's life. First of all, the Annunciation, um, then the Visitation, the Nativity, the miracle at Cana, and then the deposition, um, which, which is, is actually when, where we're starting. <laughs> which is where we're starting and ending. Mm -hmm. But it's at that moment when Mary receives Jesus as he's um, let down gradually and very gently by the other people in this image into her arms after his death on the cross. And it is a, it's truly a very moving, moving image. And I, I think many times we're aware of Mary, the beautiful times in her life, mm -hmm. or what we consider to be beautiful times in her life, the Annunciation, the birth of Jesus. Um, we, we concentrate on the finding of Jesus in the temple, but we forget the anxiety of losing, of losing Jesus. Right. Like, where is he? <laughs> right. Um, you know, the, the wedding at Cana, but also that moment in which um, it didn't seem clear that Jesus was going to actually do something. Right. Um, and yet, the anxiety a, there. <laughs> but as a mother, um, she understood the darkness of the couple that were being married at that point, and she entered into the real, their reality in such a beautiful way. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, Mary beneath the cross, where do we find the light in the midst of that very dark moment, um, seemingly dark moment? And yet I think that this first image that we're using um, really is finding that light, because what it is is these people who have been there um, you know, someone said to me once, the women didn't run away, um, that, that they're there, they're, there's, a, there's a certain expectation um, that this is a dignified and beautiful moment as much as it's a dark moment. So the image that we're using is by Ugolino Denario. Um, it was actually uh, done in the year, I believe, 1324? 1324. It's, part, it's a, a part of a, a, a small part of a larger altarpiece um, that he did that included the Last Supper and a whole lot of different images. Mm -hmm. that, I'd love to look all those up. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's almost, when I look at it, a cross between a painting and an icon. Mm -hmm. There is certain elements of that iconic uh, dignity about this painting. Right, exactly. And the eyes that, that sort of look out, as mm -hmm. much as they're looking at at what's going on in the painting, you can also feel them looking at you. Mm -hmm. For those of you who can't right now see the painting, I'll just describe it very quickly. But there's Joseph of Arimathea. He's up on the, at the top of the cross on a ladder, and he's holding Jesus with one of his arms as he's letting him down. Um, John, the Apostle John, who is obviously there at the crucifixion, 
he has both of his arms around um, the core of Jesus' body. And Mary is, is reaching up and holding his face, his, is just wrapping so his tenderly, wrapping her arms around Jesus as she almost pulls him toward her. And uh, Mary Magdalene is on the other side behind Mary. She, Jesus' arms actually are kind of out. They're, they're almost lifeless. They're extended out. And that's where we see the darkness. You mm -hmm. know, sometimes we feel a death and depression. Um, but Mary's is actually almost kissing one of his arms, one of his hands, and the other, the other hand is almost around Mary. Um, so Jesus is in some way in his, in his sorrow and his death, um, embracing uh, Mary and reaching out to Mary Magdalene. So it's a very tender image, um, and there's a lot of of arms, looking at the message of just the tenderness, the wrapping around the attentiveness, the um, closeness, that you can't get away from every single person in some way is um, touching close to, wrapped around the body of the Lord. And you can imagine that in that very dark moment, for sure they, that's what they would have wanted to do. Right. That's right. what they would have wanted to do. So this, again, is the image by Ugolino Denario. And um, we're leaving a little link in the podcast write-up. So that um, you can look at it. So that you can look at it yourself. But yeah. before we go further on the image of Jesus, let's just take one step back and talk about um, depression. Depression really is, um, it's been called the common cold and mental disorders. <laughs> We all, at one time in our life, will feel depressed. But I think it's important to realize that we all, at one point in our life, may feel seriously depressed. There's times when we're let down, we wish something would have happened and it didn't. Um, you know, we go through a time when someone has died. A depression that comes and goes and moves through us. Um, it may last a few hours, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a year. There's also forms of depression that kind of lean into a medical issue that need to be addressed in different ways by a professional. And those times also come into our lives at different points. And so it's important to realize that as we live our lives, as we think about ourselves, the darkness is a part of that. Right. The darkness isn't a disaster, it isn't a failure, it isn't something we need to get rid of so that we can be happy. A darkness is that wound in our life that's this there, that comes and goes. And God, God takes up that wound. God almost takes residence in that wound and and heals that wound throughout our life in many different ways. Um, I myself, um, I had a stroke when I was 21, which precipitated a lot of the original version of surviving depression. And um, now, uh, that was in 1984, 1985. Now, many, many years after that, um, my experience with depression is much more nuanced uh, much longer. It includes the medical. It includes the uh, 
environmental things that are around us, the things from relationships, um, and just the struggles that you bear when you've worn an illness and are on medication. So depression has a lot of variety, a lot mm -hmm. of nuances when you look at it. And I'd like to pick up on what you said about relationships because I think the other really dark thing about depression is that when we're going through it, we think we're the only ones. <coughs> mm -hmm. We're alone. We think every we look out there, and mm -hmm. everybody else seems to be just fine, mm -hmm. and we're not mm -hmm. just fine. Yeah. And to remind ourselves that this happens to everyone mm -hmm. in a greater or lesser way because mm -hmm. of different things that you're not alone. And just as all of us at some time in our life will experience depression. Most of us, or all of us, maybe even at this time in our life, know someone right. who is suffering with depression. So the topic of depression or of darkness, anxiety, that part of our journey that's a little arid, um, a little broken up, um, not full of life, that is a part of our journey even as being a friend. Or a well, family member I of loved, other people. I love that in the new version of the book, you've got tips for friends. Mm -hmm. It's a very practical thing. If your mm -hmm. friend is depressed, here are some things you can do. Yes, yes. I love that. So depression. How does depression affect us? It affects more than our feelings. Um, that's the first thing we may notice. But it affects our bodies. It affects our mood, our thoughts. It affects the way we feel about ourselves. We might notice changes in the way we eat and sleep. It influences our perspective on life, on ourselves, and even regarding others. Um, so sadness is really just a small part of depression, and it can be that we are depressed without feeling sad. Right. And that we can, can feel sad too. without being depressed. Right, 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 right. So a person with depression may also experience many physical symptoms such as aches or pains, headaches, cramps, digestive problems. They may have trouble sleeping or um, staying asleep or waking up at unbearably early hours um, and feeling tired all day long. <laughs> I know a lot about that. <laughs> I know you know a lot about that. <laughs> so, so as we see, depression is a very complex disease and really no one knows exactly what causes it, but it can occur for a variety of reasons. Um, it's most likely caused by a combination of genetic and biological factors, environmental factors, and psychological, emotional factors. Um, we know some types of depression run in families. So in this case, um, people may experience depression and feel overwhelmed with sadness and loneliness for no known reason, because it's something that is running in the family and hasn't been caused seemingly by a precipitating event. It could be that past physical abuse, sexual or emotional abuse can in some way increase the vulnerability to a clinical depression which appears later in our life very far distant so you from don't the, the precipitating event. Right. Yes. Right. Um, problems such as social isolation that are due to other mental illnesses um, or being cast out of a family or social group can contribute to the risk of developing clinical depression. And scientists today are really studying certain genes or combinations of genes that 
may make some people more prone to depression than others. And even when there's a precipitating event, we don't always identify what follows that as depression because we're so busy dealing with the trauma of the event. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not really fond of the word trigger, but I think it's appropriate here that there are these mm -hmm. certain situations that can trigger depression, that can bring on depression. Mm -hmm. um, and that could be, you know, the loss of someone you love, the death of a family or friend, family member or friend, it can be chronic illness, it can be things like financial problems, you mm. lose your job, mm -hmm. you lose your income, um, and you're in the middle of that and don't realize that this depression you're feeling, this sadness you're feeling, um, can go on beyond the event. You can still, mm -hmm. you can get the new job and still feel the after effects of having lost the first one. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So all of this, all of this can play in. And again, I, I, as, as, as you said, I want to emphasize that it's not a bad idea to check with your doctor um, mm -hmm. to see what is going on with you mm -hmm. um, physically as well as, as, as emotionally. Um, but any change can actually, even a good change, they say, for instance, that um, the stress of, of moving is one of the biggest stresses in the world. Many people move to a better place. They buy a mm -hmm. house. It's all great, except mm -hmm. that that's such a stressor that you can get into depression from an event you would never identify as a trigger for depression. Yeah. So it's yeah. good to keep an eye on that. Um, and the other thing is, and this is another reason to consult your doctor, if you're on some sort of medication, <clears throat> there are certain medications that have side effects, well, all medications have side effects, but there are certain uh -huh. ones that have a side effect that can cause depression. Mm -hmm. And checking in um, with, your, with your physical being um, is just as important as checking in with your spiritual being around these things. Mm -hmm. And then finally, um, just to look at, at these traumatic events, we've been going through them. If you, if you think back to 9-11, um, yes. And how many people worldwide um, were touched by depression after that event? When we've gone through things like the shootings in schools, these right. these national and international traumatic events, no matter where they stem from, and no matter whether you were personally affected by them or not, um, can bring on a huge depression because you stop believing in the world as a safe place. Mm -hmm. That makes me think also of the the changes or fractures, um, problems that we see in the church, um, even in the culture and in our maybe uh, closer uh, cultural experience. All of this uh, slipping and sliding and moving and fracturing and uncertainty contributes to, um, to, to a sense of to a sense of loss. Mm -hmm. A loss of that certainty and um, what we thought gave us our, our uh, sense of who we were, our sense that everything was going right, everything was going to be okay, things were joyful and happy. All of a sudden some of that begins to shift and fall away and change and be called into question. And we realize that um, our feeling of depression very real as it is, it's also a door, it's a window, it's a, it's a call, it's a possibility, it's an opportunity to find the deeper uh, ground on which we find real happiness and certainty and surety.
in our And the life. truth is that change is always inevitably difficult, even yes. if it's a good change. Um, and we're constantly changing. It's the only thing that we know that we is going to happen tomorrow, <laughs> for sure, mm -hmm. is there will be some sort of change. And if we're aware of the fact that um, depression can sort of be lurking um, behind these mm -hmm. changes, then we can better deal with it um, and better turn to God with it than if we just fight the change and say, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I think with all of these variety of ways in which we can experience darkness, um, confusion, anxiety in our lives, there's a lot of misunderstanding out there. Um, there's a lot of um, difficulty in really being a compassionate observer, a pa compassionate companion, companion right. on the journey of life with someone who is going through a dark patch in their lives. Um, no one with any sensitivity would walk up to someone who is in uh, a cast or someone who just had a knee operation and tell them the day after to get up and please go and start working and get on that construction site or get over it, get over <laughs> it and get on with your life and be mm -hmm. happy. No one would do that. But I think because depression is um, buried deep in our hearts, um, deep in our psyches, um, sometimes it's visible, sometimes it's not. A lot of people say you're always the same. But, but, but I don't understand. Mr. Kevin, you're always the same, you're always happy, and that they can't see what's happening inside. And so it's hard for us to understand and be, really be sensitive to another person who's going through depression, whether a single instance of it, um, or something that comes and goes throughout their life. And to realize that their trauma is not your trauma. Mm -hmm. So that you can see someone and something happened and you think, well, that really wasn't that bad. I don't know why she's depressed over it. Yes. And that's, that's making judgments about mm -hmm. what's going on in other people's mm -hmm. lives. And, and you just really need to take a deep breath and step back from that and say, it doesn't matter if it would be traumatic to me. What matters is it is traumatic to mm -hmm. her. So people who are suffering from depression really shouldn't be afraid to recognize that within themselves, to admit that they are feeling low, really low. And admitting it and pursuing counseling or medication um, is difficult because it exposes you to a certain stigma Absolutely. that still is associated with depression or mental, mental illness, excuse me. But it could also lead to isolation, you know, we may fear a possible job loss, a family misunderstanding. So often then people who are suffering with emotional vulnerabilities of all kinds um, remain locked in their fears, um, alone with their anxieties. They may pretend to be powerful, um, but all the time they're wishing that they could share with someone really how badly they feel. One of the things we've been talking about is how you can tell if you're depressed because depression manifests in so many different ways. And there are so many different components of it that aren't depression, mm -hmm. but can be part of depression. Mm -hmm. um, and so here are some things that you know we put together that, that people might notice um, that they're experiencing. And if they're experiencing a lot of them at the same time, it's a good, a good pointer toward it. Mm -hmm. um, 
I know that when I've been depressed, my primary problem is concentrating and making decisions and becoming forgetful. Those are my three big ones that mm -hmm. I just, I can't focus, I can't think, I forget things that I committed to three minutes ago. Um, <laughs> it just feels like there's this cotton wool in my head. Um, but there are many other characteristics. Negative thoughts are obviously mm -hmm. a big one. Things are terrible. Things are going to be terrible forever. Um, poor self-esteem, and this can manifest itself in many different ways. But in particular, um, people may not bathe as much. They may not eat well. They may not do things that take to take care of themselves um, because they don't feel like they're worth it. Um, so there's that. There's there's self-criticism. There's pessimism. Um, there's excessive guilt because somehow I must have done something wrong or I wouldn't mm -hmm. feel this way. Um, and then, of course, there's the obvious one, which is sadness. Mm -hmm. But sadness is not necessarily connected to anything. Just sad. My life is sad. Um, and, and, and along with all of those comes this helplessness of, I'm in this space and I do not see a way out of it. I don't see a way forward. Um, so you get lethargic, you get tired, you get angry, you get irritable. Um, you can isolate yourself, pull away from others because you don't want them knowing how you feel. You're embarrassed by how you feel. Um, and then of course there are all the somatic things where you can be, you can have aches and pains that don't connect to any injury that you had or any way you slept at night or something. Um, some people lose their appetite, some people eat more. Mm -hmm. Any change that you're, you're looking at in your body, it's worth stopping and saying, where is this change coming from? So, so you could ask yourself questions like these. Do I notice that I've become moody? Or am I extremely melancholic all of a sudden, most of the day, every day? Have I lost interest in people and activities? Have I gained a significant amount of weight in the recent past? How's my sleeping going? Do I have problems falling asleep? Or am I waking up over and over again? Am I able to concentrate? Or am I not able to focus? Do I feel like just doing nothing? Do I have no energy? Do I feel lethargic? Do I find myself using drugs or alcohol, pornography, sex, or any other addictive behavior to avoid dealing with reality and to escape my emotions? Um, there are questions like this, am I crying a lot? Right. There's just basic questions you can ask yourself, has something changed? changed. That's exactly it. Changed. I used to not smoke, now I'm smoking a pack a day. Why? Yes. It's not just because I suddenly decided one morning that I would start smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, and the other thing that I wanted to talk here about is that one of the reasons we don't look for help around depression is because at some level we look around, everybody else is doing perfectly fine, so if I'm not doing perfectly fine it means I have failed somehow. I have failed at, at life. Um, I'm not feeling as good as everybody else is. Um, I'm just, you know, this is some inner weakness that that is in me and means that I'm a bad person or a weak person or a terrible person um, because I have failed. I've failed at life here. And um, and that's 
to me, one of the really scary things because if you feel like a failure, then you're not going to find ways out of it because you feel like you can't. Mm -hmm. I, I would like to interject here a little word about anxiety because ah, the yes. events we've been talking about um, that kind of can precipitate an experience of depression also are among the major causes of anxiety disorders. It's the cousin, aren't they cousins? They're cousins. <laughs> and stressful events are becoming almost a continuous part of existence right. today. There's widespread job insecurity, there's political instability, housing stress, income struggles, environmental destruction, climate change. Um, you mentioned earlier the shootings in schools. There are shootings not only in schools, they're in Everywhere. shopping centers and right. in churches. So there's a lot of insecurity. Um, communal structures that would have supported us are breaking down. And these structures really are important for our mental well-being. So um, in family, school, church, business, community, these social connections are being destroyed. Which brings on huge anxiety. A huge anxiety. And surviving depression really is about, that book really is about how can we begin to restore uh, in our own lives this um, supportive network spiritually, relationally, um, you know, medically, in our connection with, our, with the doctor, or with the therapist, with our own heart, um, sacramentally. How can we begin to restore in our own lives what is being corroded and lost in society around us? And in some way, by our doing that, we create that for another person. There's a ripple effect. We, there's a ripple effect in the world. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the cover right now. It's a beautiful cover. It's a beautiful cover. I love this cover. Um, but it has on the left-hand side of a pathway, it has almost an arid, desert-like desert feel. feel. Yeah. Um, it's a bit brown. Um, and on the right-hand side is just like uh, grass and life. And then there's two, um, two parts of a path, almost like a, a car has gone right. through. You see both sides of the wheels. But in that path, you also see the merging together of both sides. And I think that's the message that we want to bring here. And it's also the message of the book that as that pathway goes towards the light, the light is also shining onto the experience of aridity, the experience of darkness, the experience of loss, and, and also the experience of fullness. And these two merge together and we move back and forth between the two in our life. But we're always going toward the sunrise. But we're always going forward towards the sunrise. So, so let's just stop here and just talk briefly about something practically Good. we can do. One of the practical elements of this book, um, one of the earlier ones, and this is especially in dealing with anxiety. Um, there's four little points here. The first is breathe. <laughs> Take a deep yes. breath. Um, when we're suffering from attacks of anxiety, bringing our attention to our breath actually helps to ground us in the concrete. What do I see right here around me? 
Uh, what words am I looking at on the page? Um, observe the situation as if you were in a bubble, a little removed from the powerful emotions that you're feeling and just notice your breath, what it feels like to breathe, what it feels like to breathe in, what it feels like to breathe out. Become present to this present experience because anxiety pulls us into the future and knocks us into the past. It pulls us and takes us out of present. that present moment. Um, right. Another idea is to do something you have control over. So simple tasks like sometimes I'll get up and I'll start cleaning my bookshelf, putting mm -hmm. books away, making it look neat, doing something simple that grounds you, that makes you feel grounded, and that also pull you into the present. Uh, worry mm -hmm. is based on what has happened, what's going to happen. But right now, really... Right now you can have the bookshelf. Right now we're doing one thing. Yeah, I'm taking the out the garbage. Uh, right now I'm washing this one dish. Right now I'm filing this paper away. Right now I'm breathing. That's all I'm doing. I'm breathing. Right now I'm sitting here in this chair. Right now we're doing one thing. That is the only thing that's happening. Everything else really is being created by our thoughts. Right. Our memories in right. the past, our worries about what's going to happen. A third idea is to disconnect a bit from the news and social media for a period of time. You know, this constant access to other people's worries, to their expectations, to their anxieties, to email requests, mm -hmm. to this 24-hour news cycle that really focuses um, on what's going to sell and what's going to be the most traumatic which is and usually stimulating, which is usually negative. Mm -hmm. It really keeps our nervous system in a vigilant mode. It's like as it's like if the fire department, the people in the fire department um, were standing at the door, <laughs> tense, ready to run out the door all the time. Right. By the time they went to put out a fire, they'd be exhausted. Mm -hmm. No, they relax, they they laugh, they spend time in community, <laughs> they sleep, they eat during these down periods. So we need like that down periods away from the stress of the world. We need to find a new way by doing that of, of, of receiving into our hearts that stress with love, with simple tender love. Um, I can't fix it, I can't resolve it, but I can love everyone affected by it. Mm -hmm. um, and let go of the expectations, the worries, the guilt, the loss, all these emotional feelings that come into our lives as we're seeing all these things. And finally, the fourth one is to know that <clears throat> when we get free from stress and anxiety for a moment, it doesn't mean that you won't be stressed and anxious. The feelings of it can, uh, can uh, lower, can dissolve, um, can relax, but we still can be in stressful situations and in anxious situations. No one can escape stress and worry in their life. But the truly free person are those who can work skillfully with their feelings and their fears so that the discomfort of the situation doesn't overwhelm them. And one way we can do that is to cultivate gratitude and compassion for ourselves and for others in this presence of stress and anxiety.
So taking all that, I'd love to go back to our image. Yes. Um, this, this beautiful painting um, of, of Christ being helped down from the cross and looking at some of the things that we've been talking about that are present in this painting um, and, and realizing that Mary and the other people here are experiencing what we've been talking about. There's an experience of loss, mm -hmm. an experience of death, um, there's guilt. Why is there guilt? Because they weren't the ones to die. They weren't mm -hmm. able to save him. Mm -hmm. They weren't able to change the situation. Um, there's fear for the future. What does this mean now? It's all over. He's dead. Mm -hmm. um, I can imagine them feeling like there is no way forward. And that's one of the ways that people feel when they're depressed. Mm -hmm. is that I don't see a way forward from this situation. Mm -hmm. What about the future? What is going to happen? We were all too late. There's mm -hmm. trauma. Um, there's just all of these things are encapsulated in the experience of these people in this painting. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about depression, anxiety, we're really talking about vulnerability. Our own vulnerability, the vulnerability we see in this, in this image. And I think one of the things immediately that we can learn from this is that our sufferings do not define who we are. Mm -hmm. They didn't define Jesus. They didn't Mary. define Mary. They didn't define Mary Magdalene, Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus. Um, but they open the door to, to what we will become. We know that the deposition at that moment may have seemed at the end mm -hmm. to, very, probably to very much did. The people receiving the, yes. the body of Jesus into their arms. But we know it was the door to the resurrection. Right. And our sorrow and suffering um, properly cared for, uh, walked through as a path, as a journey, getting that help that we need from friends, from, from a counselor, the medical help we may need. It opens the door to what we will and who we will become. This moment of darkness then becomes the ground of our blossoming. So depression brings with it darkness and chaos as we see in the image, but God is present within us as light and peace and love. And I love the way in this image, in the center coming down right through the middle over the cross is, is light. There is it, light. It comes down upon all of this group, this, this almost um, not a sunrise, but a golden glory. Very um, golden. Beautiful. So God is present as light, as peace and love. God is stronger, we can know, than all of our pain. The darkness is passing. The light is forever. The darkness comes only from wounds for which we, are, we ourselves are often not responsible. The light defines us as God's sons and daughters. So as we close, let us pray. You, Lord, are present in me as light. Nothing can take that light from me. You have chosen me to be your child. You hold me tight. Nothing can take me from you. The darkness and chaos will come and go as I am healed. But you, O oh Lord, you will remain. You will remain because I am forever yours. Amen.
Amen. God has amazing ways of knocking on people's hearts, awakening desires, arousing questions, provoking an unexpected spiritual fire. Remember, if you'd like some extra support and are ready to embark on a sustained spiritual journey, you can connect with me in a number of ways by going to my website, touchingthesunrise.com. So until the next time, take care of yourself. And remember that you are not alone. You are loved no matter what. And when you search within yourself, you will not only find yourself, but the throne of the Divine Trinity. You have a calling, a mission, and every gift, every grace, every moment, even every fall, mistake, and sin is a step toward your completely and wholly being taken up into the mystery of God's love for you and for all creation. Remember always that you have a treasure of inexpressible joy hidden in an earthen vessel, small and fragile. May this overflowing joy fill you and yours with its fragrance. God be with you.